In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. From the epistle, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be sober and watchful in your prayers. We are in the 10-day season of ascension. This is a season of praying and waiting. Jesus ascended into heaven, but the Holy Spirit was not sent until Pentecost. Therefore, from this time between last Thursday when Jesus and we celebrated the ascension and next Sunday, which is Pentecost, we experience this as a season of praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And we experience this liturgically, praying and waiting for him to come in a new way. We think of, of the Spirit's going to come to us again and help us to grow more. And so we think of our colic that we pray all week at the offices where, where we're, for a Sunday after ascension, send thy Holy Ghost to comfort us and exalt us to the same place where Christ has gone. The epistle sounds an apocalyptic note. The end of all things is at hand. And there are different ways to understand what is meant by the end. The end can mean that the world is coming to an end and all of our hopes are dashed. Or the end can mean our journey is reaching its conclusion and all of our hopes will soon be fulfilled. In a sermon on Pentecost, St. Peter explained the descent of the Spirit by quoting the prophet Joel. Quote, In the last days it shall be, declares God, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. For St. Peter, the gift of the Spirit marked the fulfillment of God's promises. <clears throat> The idea that we were in the last days was not an ominous sign that everything would soon be destroyed. It was rather the sign that God was about to complete his purposes for the creation. And this meaning is highlighted by the way Jesus describes himself in Revelation 21.6. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And the word he uses for end is the very same word that St. Peter uses in our epistle. Thus, if the end of all things is at hand, and Jesus is literally the end, then what St. Peter is saying in essence is, Jesus is near, and all of God's purposes will soon be completed. Our world tends to have a gloomier view of the end. There are many apocalyptic movies and shows uh, that have surfaced in the last season of time that reflect a fear of where we are heading. And uh, there is a great anxiety in our culture, in our country. This gloomy outlook results at root from a rejection of faith in a God who is sovereign, whose purpose is the foundation and goal for our lives and for the entire creation. Our world experiences time as something that moves continually forward without meaning or destiny. The only hope, 
as people typically see it, is for some form of human activism that will uh, solve our woes or some new technology that will come along and bring an answer to the problem. And since neither of these have really brought us to glory up until now, relying on these things results in a certain pessimism. In his book, A Secular Age, Charles Taylor says, that the modern world sees everything in this imminent frame, this time-bound frame. It cannot see beyond time. And thus it is stuck in time without an end and without a God who is able to bring that end about. At root, this is why there is so much despair and depression in our world. The church has been complicit in promoting a false view of the end. One culprit is what is called dispensationalist theology. If you don't know that word, uh, you may have heard the word rapture. If you've heard someone talk about the rapture, then you've heard someone talk about dispensationalist theology. For today's purposes, we can highlight one chief error of this framework, which is very ubiquitous in our culture. It prophesies destruction for the creation, but it does not present a compelling vision of God's new creation. This theology motivates people to uh, believe in Jesus to escape the rapture, but the motive is not a longing, a desire for resurrection and life in the world to come. Another church error is what we might call the die-and-go-to-heaven theology. This theology reduces the Christian hope to the idea that after death, we will live in a perpetually disembodied spiritual state in a place called heaven. What is notably lacking from both of these theologies, which are prevalent everywhere, is the hope of resurrection and new creation which are the central biblical hopes. Neither presents the Christian hope as a fulfillment of our deepest longings for life in the body, in God's creation. Both present the Christian hope as a kind of consolation prize. The one says, God's going to destroy everything, but at least if you put your faith in Jesus, you might escape that destruction. The other compensates for the loss of the body and the creation by promising a better place, which usually doesn't really sound that much better. Neither adequately or accurately presents the Christian hope of resurrection as the completion of our humanity and the fulfillment of God's creation that he began in Genesis. The spiritual temptation presented by prosperity also keeps us from longing for the end. The more comfortable we are in this world, the harder it is to long for that which is to come. Comfortable materialism can lead us to forget God just as it led Israel in the Old Testament to forget God. See Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 17. 
This is why we should welcome disruptions in our comfortable prosperity as a blessing. They remind us to stay detached from this world and not to fall into idolatry. As St. James writes, quote, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. And this is why we must also stay connected with and minister to those who are poor and oppressed. When we experience the pain and injustice of this world as a regular feature of our lives, we develop a longing for God's kingdom and God's justice to come and take that injustice and that suffering away. So what is our hope anyway? What is this end that we desire? Our sure and certain hope of resurrection is that the work of new creation that God began on Good Friday and Easter will eventually spread and touch the entire creation. St. Paul expresses this hope in Romans 8. He writes, quote, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. And St. Paul expresses this vision of new creation as something we long for in the spirit. Quote, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in travail or labor together until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. This is a highly appropriate Mother's Day image, for it describes us in the Christian life as expectant mothers waiting to give birth to this resurrected life that will live in a new creation about which God will once again say, it is very good. This new creation begins in us through the gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and it spreads out from us to touch the entire creation. Just as the entire creation became subject to bondage and decay as a result of our sins. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we taste and experience this future hope right now, even as we long for its completion in the future. And St. Peter captures this tension in the epistle. Notice what St. Peter does not say. He does not say, the end of all things is at hand, therefore flee to the mountains and store supplies in a cave. <clears throat> or the end of all things is at hand, therefore neglect life in the body in this world and just think about spiritual things. Rather, he exhorts us to zealous ministry in the body in this world. Quote, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover the multitude of sins. 
Practice hospitality one with another without grumbling or complaining. As each one has received a gift, that is a spiritual gift from the Spirit, as each has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone serves, let him do it as with the ability that God gives, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We are to serve Christ zealously in time because we are aiming at rewards and an end that time cannot take away from us. As St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We live in revolutionary times. Things have changed dramatically, and the pace of change is only accelerating. Uncertainty about the future makes many people anxious and fearful. St. Peter exhorts us to be sober and watchful in our prayers so that we will not get caught up in the world's anxiety and fear. For we know where we are headed. We know the end. Jesus has ascended. He sits at the right hand of God in glory. He rules over the world, and through the gift of the Spirit, we have ascended with him, and we rule over the world with him through our prayers. And he will come again to finish his work of new creation. The end of all things is at hand, and this is very good news for those who put their faith in Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.